Throughout history, many remarkable women have left an indelible mark on the world, including those who dedicated their lives to the arts and philanthropy. From Spain to Scotland, Romania to France, and Russia to Austria, these women played an important role in shaping the cultural and social landscape of Europe. Though they lived in different times and places, they shared a common passion for education, the arts, and charitable causes. Through their efforts, they left a lasting legacy of kindness and compassion, inspiring and influencing generations to come. The Tudor's Dynasty Podcast. Step into the fascinating world of Maria of Austria, a woman whose life was full of intrigue, power, and family ties that spanned two of Europe's most prominent dynasties. Born to Charles V, Holy Roman Emperor and King of Spain, and Isabella of Portugal in Madrid on the 21st of June, 1528, Maria was no ordinary royal. Growing up in Spain with her siblings Philip and Joanna, Maria's life would take a dramatic turn when she married her first cousin, Archduke Maximilian of Austria, at age 20. Maria and Maximilian's union would be marked by power struggles, political maneuvers, and a staggering 16 children, though only about half survived to adulthood. Between 1548 and 1551, the couple acted as regents in Spain during her father's and brother's absence. In 1552, they left for Vienna to live at the court of Maximilian's father, who became Holy Roman Emperor in 1556, after her father, Charles, abdicated the throne in favor of his younger brother, Ferdinand. But Maria's ambitions didn't stop there. She served as Regent of Spain from 1558 to 61, when her brother, now King Philip II of Spain, was absent. In 1564, Maximilian succeeded his father as Holy Roman Emperor, and Maria was now Holy Roman Empress, Queen Consort of Bohemia and Hungary. After her husband's death in 1576, Maria remained at court for six years and wielded her influence to guide her sons. A devout Catholic, Maria's faith played a significant role in her life. In 1582, she returned to Spain seeking to live in a country without heretics. She moved to a convent in Madrid, where she spent the remainder of her life until her death on the 26th of February, 1603, at the age of 74. At the time of her passing, five of her children were still living, a testament to the strength and endurance of a woman who navigated the complex world of European royalty with grace, tenacity, and unwavering devotion to her family and faith. Isabella, Duchess of Lorraine, was an exceptional woman who led a fascinating life. Born in 1400 to Charles II, Duke of Lorraine, and Margaret of the Palatinate, she was their eldest daughter and heir apparent following the death of her brothers. Isabella received a first-rate education and was renowned for her quick wit and ability to make tough decisions in difficult situations. In 1420, Isabella married René of Anjou to unite Lorraine and Bar, 
and the couple went on to have 10 children, though not all survived into adulthood. Isabella became Duchess of Lorraine in her own right in 1431, and in 1435 she became Queen of Naples through her marriage to René. When her husband was imprisoned, Isabella ruled Naples and his dominions in France as regent for three years, demonstrating her impressive political acumen. Isabella appointed her eldest son as governor-general in Lorraine in 1445 so she could retire. She died on the 23rd of February, 1453, at the age of 53. Her daughter, Margaret, married Henry VI of England and became a major participant in the English Wars of the Roses, adding yet another interesting chapter to Isabella's remarkable story. Additionally, Isabella was a patron of the arts and played a crucial role in the development of the Renaissance in Northern Europe, commissioning many works of art and architecture that are still admired to this day. Elizabeth of Weed, also known as Carmen Silva, was a fascinating woman and accomplished writer who became the Queen of Romania when she married King Carol I in 1869. Here's an interesting story about her. Elizabeth was a prolific writer, and one of her most famous works is a collection of fairy tales called Die Drei Grazien, The Three Graces. In one of her stories called Der Kleine Schutzgeist, The Little Guardian Spirit, Elizabeth tells the story of a young girl who is visited by a spirit who protects her from harm. One day, Elizabeth was traveling with her husband, King Carol I, when they were caught in a severe storm. The storm was so intense that it caused a large tree to fall across the road, blocking their way. The king and queen were forced to stop their carriage and wait for help to arrive. As they waited, Elizabeth remembered the story of the little guardian spirit and began to recite it to her husband. As she spoke, the rain began to lighten and the clouds began to part. Suddenly, a bolt of lightning struck the fallen tree splitting it in two and clearing the way for the king and queen to continue their journey. The incident became known as the miracle of the thunderbolt, and many people saw it as a divine intervention. Elizabeth was hailed as a miracle worker, and her reputation as a mystic and visionary grew from then on. Elizabeth's literary and poetic works, as well as her advocacy for social and political causes, such as women's rights, and the protection of the environment made her a beloved figure in Romania and throughout Europe. Her influence extended beyond her time as queen, and her legacy as a writer and visionary continues to inspire people today. On a day much like this, in the year 1188, Blanche of Castile took her first breath. Born to Alfonso VIII of Castile and Eleanor of England, Blanche was destined for greatness from the start. Her life took a dramatic turn when her grandmother, Eleanor of Aquitaine, intervened in her sister's betrothal to Louis, son of the King of France. Instead, she handpicked Blanche as the perfect match for the young prince. In early 1200, Blanche set out for France. She married Louis in a lavish ceremony in May. Although they were barely teenagers, they soon became parents to 13 children. However, the marriage remained unconsummated for a few years due to their young age. 
It wasn't until 12.05 that their first child was born, marking the beginning of their journey as a family. Tragedy struck in 1223 when the King of France passed away, and Louis became the new monarch. Blanche stood by his side, jointly crowned with him in August. But their happiness was short-lived, as Louis died just three years later, leaving Blanche as regent for their young son, Louis IX. Blanche proved to be a force to be reckoned with as she took on the role of regent for France. She forced the barons to accept her son's rule and even fended off English forces during a rebellion by Henry III in 1230. Despite her impressive leadership skills, Blanche was a challenging woman to please. She controlled her son with an iron grip, and her relationship with her daughter-in-law, Margaret of Provence, was far from cordial. In 1248, Louis set out on crusade, leaving Blanche as regent once again. But her time in power ended when she passed away on the 27th of November, 1252, at the age of 64. Upon hearing the news of her death, Louis remained silent for two days, a testament to Blanche's impact on his life and reign. In the bustling palace of Westminster in London, a princess was born. She was named Joan of England and was the youngest of five children to King John and his wife, Isabella of Angoulême. Despite her tender age, Joan was thrust into the world of politics and diplomacy when she was married off to Alexander II, King of Scots, at just 13 years old. The union was arranged as part of a peace treaty between England and Scotland. And although she was wed at a young age, Joan had no children with Alexander. Joan had many talents, and her love for the arts was well known. She was a gifted harpist and had a passion for embroidery. Her philanthropic work balanced her artistic pursuits, and she was highly regarded for her charitable contributions. She established a hospital for the poor in Nottingham, supported religious orders, and championed other noble causes. Tragically, Joan's life was cut short. She passed away at the young age of 27, leaving behind a legacy of grace and kindness. Her final resting place was in the Church of the Blackfriars in London. Though her time on earth was brief, Joan's story inspires and fascinates generations. And that concludes this week in royal history. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'd like to give a special shout out to my newest patron, Joanna. Thank you so much for your support. And thank you so much to the support of all of my existing patrons as well. If you'd like to show your love for the show, I'd love it if you'd become a patron over on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Rebecca Larson. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tudor's Dynasty podcast. You can follow and support the Tudor's Dynasty podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at Tudor's Dynasty.